Hello, and welcome to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gregson. My mission is to find everyday people who are delightful. The people I interview have attractive energy and a positive outlook on life. And I want to give them a platform to share their stories so that others can have hope in the midst of their struggles and see delight in a world that at times can seem gloomy. I will uncover the life experiences of the guests that I interview, which have enabled them to look at life in such an inspiring and delightful way, with the belief that to understand the light, one has to be acquainted with the dark. My guests will share their personal experiences on finding their way through dark and hopeless times and give us a glimpse into the powerful gifts they received in their darkest hours to rise up, take up hope, and view life through new, hope-filled eyes. Is it possible that in our darkest hours, we are given a gift to find the light which leads to our greatest delights? Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Come Towards Delight, the podcast. My name is Michael Gregson. I'm your host. And after 30 minutes of talking to me and just getting acquainted, Christy Johnson is joining me tonight. And I am very thrilled to have you with me, Christy. Um, just so you guys know, uh, the audience, um, first of all, first off, I just want to say thanks. Uh, thanks again for, for joining me on this journey and um, really just learning from people why they're happy in life, what brings them joy and peace and what, you know, the things they've gone through so that, that it's provided that opportunity to see life in, in a more beautiful way, more magical way, uh, more loving way. And, and it's been a lot of fun to hear people's experiences. Um, I'm really excited about tonight's episode. I say tonight, but you could be listening to this early in the morning, who knows? Um, but it's night for us right now, right, Christy? <clears throat> but, yeah. um, Yes. And so the fun thing for me is you, um, you're with you and Tony pizza, my man, Tony pizza, who is episode 45. Um, you guys are together, right? Yeah. I mean, like in a relationship, I don't know what you title it. Like you're, you're just awesome. The, the awesome relationship. And, and I, I reconnected with Tony oh, a few months back and I've always just had a love for Tony. He's such a great guy. He's always been a great friend to me, <clears throat> always been very kind and understanding that he'd been through some things. I started following him on Instagram and, and just connected real quick. But as I started to watch the posts he would put, I'd obviously see you and he would <laughs> talk about you, Christy. And, and I just felt like, look, the posts that, that he and you were putting was it was a very beautiful way of of talking about humanity. It 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 wasn't necessarily like preaching a belief, if you will, but it was really a, a an idea of embrace, an idea of humanity, an idea of like seeing the world in a beautiful way that you can learn from and grow from, and like new experiences give you new things to learn more about yourself with. Am I kind of in line with like how you guys do things or your approach? Yeah, that's really spot on. We, um, I think we both found each other because we both are at that same level of vibration. Like we're both seeking that in our lives, just noticing beauty, being present and um, yeah, just really enjoying 
all that this life has to offer and, and all the different things, whether it's an interaction with another human being or like hearing somebody's story or just like checking out the flowers on a hike or something that just takes your breath away and letting it. Yeah. Ooh, I like, ooh, letting it. I like that. Like, let, like ride that emotion for a minute, right? Mm-hmm. Embrace yeah. it and ride it. Um, you said something that we're going to come back to as we, we get going with your story and, and it may be towards the end. Cause you do have quite the story and, um, you're, you're going to connect with a lot of people because of what you've been through. Um, it's a, it's a very difficult thing, um, that you've been through multiple things that you've been through and it caused you a lot of pain in your life, no doubt. Um, as you and I have started to talk. So, but, but I just, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you and, and I want you to know, first off though, that I have a lot of um, empathy for you. I know you lost your father to suicide. Um, and I'm just going to throw that out there and, and, and open that door right now. But, uh, you know, that's a, that's a, I can't imagine Christy and, and to see what you're doing with your life now, um, just a beautiful thing because that that's a painful thing that can leave people just broken for a long, long time. And I know, and I, listen, I'm not saying you're not pieces of you aren't broken anymore. There's still a lot of healing that goes throughout your life. Right. Mm-hmm. but you said something about vibration. We're going to mm-hmm. talk about that later. I love that idea. And, and I've been reading a book from, um, I forget his first name, but his last name is Dwyer. And he's, he's a doctor slash kind of a, a minister, if you will. Mm-hmm. And he talks a lot about energy and light and vibration and everything mm-hmm. is in constant motion. Like he was describing in his book, like you look at a rock and you pick that up and it's a solid thing. You don't see any movement. But he's like, if you took a powerful magnifying glass and you magnified that to like the umpteenth, whatever degree, mm-hmm. you actually see motion. Everything is in motion. And and we'll talk about that later because I know you you probably know more about that stuff than I do. But um, anyway, um, grateful to have you and and just really happy for you and Tony that you found each other and with what you're doing in your lives just got to say thank you for like opening my eyes to new ways to look at life and new ways to look at the truths that I know in my life in, in more beautiful ways. Cause I think that's the beauty of it, right? You enhance Mm -hmm. by you loving and and finding joy in your world and the way you see it, it enhances my opportunity to see my world a little bit more beautifully. And I, I just love that. So I'm excited to learn from you tonight. So enough of me. Christy, take it away. Let's, let's, let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> well, where do I start? <laughs> um, grew up yeah. in Utah. How about there? Yeah, I, I grew up in West Valley. Um, I've lived here most of my life. I lived in Idaho a little bit. For, Ooh, wait, wait, wait. Idaho? What part of Idaho? Yeah. I lived in Rexburg for okay. two years. I uh, went to college there. You're and- a BYU, you're a BYU, Idaho girl. <laughs> Yeah, at the time it was Rick's College because yes. I'm that old. <laughs> it is cold up there. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah, it's the coldest I've ever yeah. <laughs> experienced. Yeah. So um, some of the best years of my life, though, I had a blast at Rick's and made some really great friends up there. So it was fun. So cool. um, and then for a time, I lived in Pocatello um, while I was married to my um, my kid's dad. So yeah, I lived there for about five years. And then the rest of the time I've lived in Utah and Salt Lake and just love it. I love all the outdoor stuff that's available and just really cool people. 
Yes, that's very true. So you married an Idaho boy. I did. Yeah. I married a, um, somebody that he's from Pocatello and he actually lives there now. And so the kids get to go up and, um, and see him quite often and spend a lot of time up there now. And so they're creating their own love for Idaho, um, as well. So is that's he, I have to ask this and I, I sound so naive and dumb when I do, but I, so I have a, I have a fan, like part of my family, my aunt and uncle live up in, um, Preston, Idaho, and they have mm-hmm. a huge dairy farm up there. And so I got to ask anytime someone's from Idaho, I'm like, Hey, do they live on a farm? But I know there's huge, there's a big city up there. There's many big cities, but like Pocatello, I know there's still some farmland is, is there a farm. <laughs> No, he doesn't live on a farm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, there you no. go. I put, I put my foot in my mouth there. Right. <laughs> I still like, I'm not kidding, Christy. When I meet people from my home, like, Oh, cool. So did you grow up on a farm? You know how to work hard, right? Like that's the, yeah. that's the stupidity of my way of thinking. <laughs> I'm changing that at 40 years old. So um, now tell me about your kids real quick. Yeah. So I have um, two, I have a daughter that's 13 and a son that's six. And then um, Tony's kids are also mine. <laughs> I claim them too. And Addie is 16 and Carson's 14. So awesome. And tell me your kids' names. Uh, Haley. Haley. Yeah. Haley's 13. Derek is six. And awesome. they, they just, um, bring life into my life and remind me to stay young every single day. <laughs> you are young. What are you talking about? <laughs> but Derek, man, he keeps me on my toes. <laughs> that's your, that's your six-year-old, right? Yeah. He's yeah. a caboose and yeah. he, he really is uh he's a joy. He's a true joy. They all are, but Derek is just like the one that brings everyone together. It really, so he's like a connector. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. fun. That's fun. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I love those kind of people that like, you can't leave anybody out on the outskirts, yeah. right? There's no outsiders yeah. when, when this person is around, that's mm-hmm. how my dad was. He was, a, he's very much a guy that was like, he, anytime he saw somebody sitting on the sideline or whatever, he like would go to them and bring them in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah. I think that's a characteristic that is just incredible. I, I love that. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. So, so yeah. let's get, let's get into your story though. So you go, you get married, you go through college and then life starts to get kind of hard for you. And, or, or, or was it already? Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty, uh, I guess I didn't realize how different my life was until I like went away to school and would hear other people's like normal. And I'm like, mm, mine looks different than that. Like your dad didn't drive around like on drugs, (laughs) like, Oh, is that not normal? And, and that's really when it, it really sunk in how different my life was. And, um, so when I got married, I really was trying to get out of my house. I I was like, look, I'm done like living here. I don't want to be around this anymore. And, um, and, but even after getting married, it was still a big part of my life. My dad um, had a, a really strong addiction to um, painkillers uh, most of my life. And it that was just my norm. And really understanding now the wounds that I carried into marriage, I, um, I just have a lot of compassion for that version of myself and for my husband at the time, the 
you know, we go into marriage sometimes pretty young. I was 21 and just not any clue what we, what bags we carry in. Like, and mine were pretty big ones that I look back and I'm like, oh, that sweet girl. Like <laughs> just had no clue as the daddy issues um, that I carried into that marriage. And so, um, yeah, it was, I mean, it was enjoyable. The, that time of my life, I was still, um, enjoying life, but it, it was hard just dealing with my dad on a constant basis and just worried about him all the time. So as you're, as you're recognizing that your world is different than some of your friends, right. Mm-hmm. And, and we're, all of our worlds are a little different. We know that, but like, you're starting to see the structure of your family and you're like, wait, mm-hmm your dad didn't go right. Like, yeah. As you're, as you're, as you're uncovering this piece, is that, is that where you start to go? Wait a second. So you start to look at yourself a little deeper and you're kind of like, wait, or, or, or were you not there yet in your life? You didn't recognize that until, you know, you were further on down the road, you look back and you're like, Oh, you know, there's things that I didn't know how to process back then. Yeah, it was definitely later um, down the road. I I was married for 16 years. And, um, and in that time, I struggled with infertility and um, really had a hard time getting my babies here. And I struggled with like, haven't I done enough, like, Mm. in my life that I should be able to have, you know, shooting all over myself, like this is something women are supposed to do. And it was it was really challenging. that way, but uh, it was later after my son was born that um, things got pretty, pretty bad with my dad a little bit before actually my son wasn't even born yet, um, that they got pretty bad and that awareness started to come to the surface um, after he, after he passed away. So it, it was pretty later uh, after he passed that our, my marriage started to, um, just kind of, I wouldn't say fall apart or fail. Cause I don't believe any of that really happens. I just believe that there was an awakening that took place inside of me. And unfortunately my husband at the time was, was part of that wreckage. Yeah. And, kind of a and, byproduct of, of, of the, of what you were trying to figure out and yourself processing the whole thing. Right. Yeah. 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 Do you mind mind for a second, if we go back, I, I, so I've had sisters that have struggled with infertility Mm -hmm. and I mean, I know the pain I've, I've had ants. I've had, we all, we all know somebody, right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's kind of one of those things in our world right now. And to grow up in the environment that you did grow up in, um, as a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I mean, that's a, that's a huge thing because you're taught all growing up that like, eventually, you know, the, the goal in life is to get married, to have a family, to be a mother and to take care of kids and and nurture them and help them grow and develop and all that. And, you know, even, even as a father, like that's, that's something that we just really believe in. Right. What, like explain that time. If you, if you don't mind, I know this might be off track a little bit to your story, but I, I may, I don't think it is because I know, right. I know there's a lot of pain usually in this part of a life for a woman that, that battles this thing. I don't understand it, but I, but will you tell me, we talk to me about that time. Like what, mm-hmm. how was that for you? Like, was it, was it, was it a beat? Did you start like shaming yourself? Like what happened? 
Yeah, there there was a lot of shame that came with that. I had a miscarriage um, earlier on in our marriage and then mm. um, eventually got pregnant with my daughter. And um, after her trying to get pregnant with my son, that was probably that window was probably the hardest because I, my sisters were having babies and I just felt like, why am I broken? Like what? And there was like this questioning with, um, with my higher source, like, did I do something wrong? Is this punishment? Mm -hmm. Am I not doing enough? Um, and there was just, it, it really did go deep inside of like not belonging and, um, a lot of things. Yeah. That came up through that culture of this is just what you're supposed to do next. And, and I can't. And so, and I knew there was another soul that was meant to come, to come join us. And so it was just like this, why am I supposed to wait this long? And it was a really big lesson in, in like patience and surrender and um, yeah, just a lot of, a lot of that. It was very, very painful. Um, and, and, and also though, when it did happen, that contrast of knowing that utter despair and then that utter joy was, was really beautiful. But I, I just don't know that I, I would <laughs> wish that on any woman though. Yeah. Um, that you went, process. You went seven years, right? Seven mm -hmm. years. And, and, and yeah. you said you struggled to get pregnant with your, your daughter too, right? Yeah. It was so, about six years with her. Started drudging up some feelings and all of a sudden years down the road. It, I mean, gosh, that's a, that's so hard. And mm -hmm. yet you're, you're trying to go to church. You're trying to engage, but just sitting there feeling like I can't live up to all these things that I've been taught. Mm -hmm. That's, that's not an easy, that's not an easy thing to face by any means. Um, what Christy real quick, why we're pausing here for a sec. Is there anything that you'd say like to any young woman, maybe even like a young woman that's a member of the church or not, mm -hmm. if they're going through this and they're, they're starting to feel those feelings of pain, what would, what would you say to them if you could? Um, that's interesting. Cause I, the awareness that I have now is one that's more of understanding that we're right on time. And, and at that time, I just was so impatient. Like, this is what I want. I just want to be there, but really understanding and looking back at what in that space was created and it had to have the space to be created. So, um, my biggest thing also is just, I'm a big advocate for like healthcare and going to see why it's not happening early on instead of like, no, I'm just going to trust this higher source, which is great to trust that too. But that higher source also put these amazing technologies here. So going a lot earlier to have testing done, I waited a long time thinking I just had to have faith and, and just getting that knowledge early on, if possible, it was yeah. another thing. Smart. So. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason, right? Every, there's a reason that we have the medicine that we do and, and it's good. Ultimately it's yeah. good. Um, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for, you know, pausing right there for a minute. I know again, without understanding it, cause I've, I've never experienced it. I, I do 
um, have a lot of empathy for those that have passed through it. And I've seen a lot of pain um, caused because of those types of things. And, and so um, just know that, that uh, you're awesome. I mean, thanks for sharing that. Cause I know that's a painful moment for you. Um, but, but that's, you know, keep going with your story because that's, that's one part of it. And so you've got this thing that you're grappling and that's like totally a self-worth thing, right? Especially mm-hmm. in the environment that you grew up in. But you've also got this other thing where it's like my dad and my family, and I, I come from a broken family. And here I look at members of the church where family is everything. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, when you're an outsider looking at everybody else, the grass is always greener and you're going, wow, they have the perfect Mormon family. Not the mm-hmm. case, but like, that's all you right. see, right? So, so you're battling this thing and, and, and tell me where it goes from here. Um. Yeah, as an adult um, daughter of an addict, it was it was very different, obviously, than as a child. As a child, I didn't have the options to like question him on why are you doing this or intervention, take him to rehab or something. So, as an adult and having my own um, having my daughter at the time, uh, as as things started to snowball with his addiction. Um, it really came to points where we, my siblings and I are super close. Um, and we would meet as siblings and just like, what are we going to do now? Um, and he, there was a point where he attempted suicide. Um, and my daughter was a baby. So I, I think it was in 2009, he attempted to overdose and we got a call to go up to the U and we spent several weeks up there and we had really amazing people um, just from my parents ward family growing up and just all these like angels that would show up in the waiting room and bring us dinners and bring us quarters for the vending machines. And it, it just like blows my mind how people just showed up like selflessly um, to help us through that time. And when he came out of that, um, it, it was, he, he almost passed away once or twice while he was there. Okay. And then, um, he came out and we, we ended up staging an intervention with him and told him he had to go to rehab and, um, he wasn't too happy about it. <laughs> he, he, he had been through rehabs before he had been through, I think at least three by that point, like court and, order kind of a thing. Um, I think one of them might've been cause he had had some DUIs, but I think a couple of other ones, I was in college. I remember for one of them. And I think that was another intervention type that my siblings did with him. Um, and this one, we were just like, this is serious. You're, we almost lost you. And, yeah. um, and so we, he, he just wasn't happy about it because he really didn't want to be here anymore. He, he really was done. So, but we ended up taking him to a place called the Renaissance ranch and that place just has a special spot in my heart because he loved it there. And the people there were so great with him and um, with us. And at that point in my life, I was a lot more aware of like what was happening. Like he was a full blown addict and he needs to go detox and things like that. And so, um, he's, we got two more years of him, of him sober after that. And 
those were some of the most precious years that um, I can remember because my daughter Haley was a little bit older and got to like interact with him and he was so cute with the grandkids and um, just it was just fun having him around for those two years knowing how precious life was at that point because we'd experienced him almost being gone and um, and so it was it was really lovely I loved that we were able to get that time with him he He's a, he was a really, really good man. Just, um, just struggled with a really strong demon in his life. Yeah, man, it's tough. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry. That's so tough. I tell me, tell me what about the ranch? Like, what did you, what did he fall in love with about the ranch? Do you think, what was there one or two things that like you remember just being like, God, this place is awesome. Um, the just the energy I remember taking him my a couple of my siblings and I took him to check in and um just really compassionate people and I think the difference in that rehab and the other ones was that it was like he went and lived there for um several weeks and it was that connection with others that creation of like another family for him he made a lot of really great friends and like tried foods he never tried before and um like did activities he'd never branched out and done and they they had like family group meetings that we could go to and and it was um it was church-based so um and the LDS church helped us fund that we there was no way we could afford to put him through that and they um they helped us get him in there and he, yeah, he just loved it there. And, and seeing him love that, I think created this like cozy spot in my heart for the ranch. Yeah. That's really neat. I, I met some guys, uh, they were on one called Espiro, um, out here where they actually go and they go do adventure hikes and they go do camping and stuff. They bring kids in from all over. And, uh, the CEO, his name is Ryan. It's just like, I love the compassion word. I looked, I looked at him right when I met him and as an old addict to myself, right. An, an addict to myself, I looked at him and, and as we're walking through my hotel and I'm touring him around, I, I just, as we had a second, I, I turned to him and I said, so what's your story? Nobody's mm-hmm. a CEO of this unless you've got a story. And he, he opened up to me about it. And I'm like, it's amazing to me in life how the most, the most damaging things we go through or what opens us up to like connecting and to uplifting and, mm-hmm. and to finding serenity, right? Like if we're, if we're, if we feel like life is just one smooth thing, then we, we don't understand what serenity is, right? There's no need for serenity. Like you're immune to, to you're, you're robot, robotic in a way where there are things you don't really feel the feels they don't go through you. Tell me about your mom during this time. Were your parents still married? What was that like? Yeah, my parents stayed married um, throughout my dad's life, and um, she definitely went through a lot. Um, I uh, I can't imagine her story, and I don't know if I've ever really heard her full story. Um, but to like have to raise six kids and and having this addict depend on her for the like pills, like she would, she was very much a codependent. Um, and 
it was definitely a struggle to to love them both with like an unconditional love because there was a lot of resentment for both of them through that experience wondering why one would let us stay in that environment and the other would even participate in the addiction not of course now I know a lot more about addiction but at the time as a child I just couldn't understand why we were like meant to stay in that and um and he there was never any abuse or anything like that it was just mostly the the pressure that was put on us like of coming home and like finding him on the ground passed out and like okay let's who's going to put him in bed or you know just driving around with him high or just having him at functions like family functions or friend functions where he's just totally out of out of it and it was just it it was just hard to see him do that to himself over and over and I'm I'm gonna go on an assumption here, but Christy, I can only imagine what this is doing to you internally in the sense that, like, again, talking about the religion and the environment you grew up in and the teachings you're taught, but then coming home and and the lifestyle is not really there. It sounds like your your mom, you know, did everything she could when your dad was those moments when he was sober, like he seemed like he was a great guy, but yeah, he kept yeah. going back to this thing. And and so for a young child, a young mind, you're going, why do you keep choosing this over me? Am I not good enough? Right. You kind of take that blame as almost, you, almost, you start to expect yourself. There's like expectation that I'm supposed to somehow pull my dad out of this. Like, it's my fault that he's in it. I got to pull him out. Right. Yes. And, so spot on. And, and, you're also in this culture that like you're being just torn. I mean, like you're taught one thing on Sundays and Wednesday nights of mutual or whatever, whatever. And and you're like, but that's not what it's like at home. Like, I don't, I don't feel that. I like my family's eternal. Like, I don't know that this really feels like it should be an eternal, right? Yeah. So yeah. I can't imagine for you all of a sudden as a a married woman, a mother now, like internally, you've got to just be really have some turmoil in there. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And that awareness, like I said, it hasn't come until in the last few years of like the not enoughness and the worthiness, um, how deep that wound really went um, until recently. So, um, yeah, it was very different than what I was being taught in my religion. And my, my oldest sister, um, almost oldest sister, <laughs> Gina, she, um, she really took on the role of our mother, um, because I, my parents really were wrapped up in this addiction. And, and I can only imagine as a spouse of an addict, I, I have no clue what that would have been like for my mom, but my sister just kind of stepped in and like took us to church and like, you're, you guys are going to go and learn <laughs> and learn about Jesus and, you know, heavenly father. And, and she really just stepped up as our mom and she would make us dinners. And, um, and it, it truly was because of her that we, um, we all stayed on a good track because we it. definitely, yeah, we definitely all could have gone south (laughs) and so having out of six kids having all of us like 
make it was pretty miraculous in that environment. So no kidding. So tell me, tell me more about her. Was she married at the time and just kind of, no, she just, big no, sis. She, yeah, she's only five years older than me. So she, um, like she was going through high school and, and then eventually went to college. She went on a mission and it was hard for her to leave on her mission because she was so worried about us. Um, and, and then when we all ended up getting married, she kind of like, didn't know what to do with herself. Like I've been taking care of you all. And, and, um, so she, yeah, she just was our rock growing up. Um, she, she, she was the one that would sit us down and we would cry about like, why is it like this? And she would say, we all got asked to come here and we chose this family, this particular family. We chose knowing what it would be like and knowing that we would have each other to support. And, and that knowledge, just having her tell us that was really what got me through a lot of whys. Yeah. <laughs> like, why is this happening? Why? And it would just remind me because we, we chose this and we, we know what to do. We're going to be okay because we, we know what to do. And that's I mean, what amazing, what amazing sister, only five years older than you. Her name's <laughs> Gina. Yeah. Dang, Gina. Way to go. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> yeah. pretty amazing. That's seriously like pretty special that like spirits, no matter their age, like it's kind of like there's just those spirits that like react in the way that it's almost like they're placed there to be that mm-hmm. the way that they are to get everybody through it. Right. Like I know I look at my wife and I, and I, I know some of the things going on for her and the way that she really stepped up and just the maturity that she showed um, and the compassion that she now has because of, of some of those things that, that she experienced and she's so much better than I am. And, and I just, you know, those lessons are so hard when you're in the thick of it. Um, yeah. but, but if you, if, if you can get through them and then learn and then get to a place, a safe place where you can start to process them and learn from them, then it makes you look at others with so much more empathy because you know, you have no idea what they're going through. And it could be mm-hmm. so difficult, right? Yeah. So difficult. I mean, you're sitting in church and you have no clue. So most people in there have no clue until there's a phone call. All of a sudden it's like, Hey, by the way, Christy's dad is in the hospital now. And all of a sudden people are like, what, well, what happened there? And, and then it's like, you know, uh-huh. everything, everything's out there in the open and Holy cow. And, <laughs> and then the feelings of shame come of like, I'm not good enough. We don't do it right. Whatever. And, and I, I just, Christy, I wish somehow there's so many emotions surrounding this thing for you. So mm-hmm. many, whether it's your own marriage, whether it's your father, uh, whether it's you being a brand new mother, trying to get through this infertility thing and, and, and also trying to navigate being a mom. Um, also your own mother, you start to go to LDS 12 step meetings because you want to start learning more about this. Um, mm-hmm. So you're trying to engage, you're trying to learn, you're trying to grow, kind of take us from here. What, what happens next for you? Um, so yeah, after about two years of, um, sobriety, he relapsed and, um, I remember knowing that we wouldn't get him back. I, I just remember knowing Mm -hmm. deep in my soul that it, it wouldn't, we wouldn't get him back the sober dad. And, um, so my sisters and I started going to the LDS 12 step, um, group meetings for family members of addicts. And, um, my sister Gina again was the 
was the front runner on that. She had been to a few and she's like, you guys deserve to come to these. And um, I remember thinking, I'm going to go so I can help save dad. <laughs> like that's what, that's why we're going. Right. And the first meeting, just being there thinking, Oh crap, this is about me. This isn't, <laughs> this isn't about him at all. And, um, isn't that interesting? And, yeah. And it really was, I, it was like eye opening. Like I have, I only have control or not even control, but I'm only accountable for me. And, uh, and going through that process, if I were that really, that piece of my story, going to those 12 step groups was really what saved me when he passed away, because it was only a few months later that he took his own life. And we were heavily involved in those and the people that were there. I I've never seen them since those groups, but they were just, again, like these angels that, that were called forth for just that particular time in my life. And, um, it was just, we kept going actually for several months, maybe even a year after he passed away. That was just our thing. We would go do together as sisters. We'd go put flowers on his headstone and go to the meeting. You loved your dad. You can tell, um, were you, were you two pretty close? Yeah, we were close. Um, he, we were all close with him. He was just this really great energy that, um, he cooked and he entertained. And when I was pregnant with my daughter, I was so sick and he made me this huge bowl of oatmeal with like a lot of cream and a lot of butter. And that was all I could eat for like three days was his oatmeal. And so he was just, yeah, just, we were all really close with him and that's what made it so hard. Um, when it, when it all kind of fell apart, um, watching him spiral after his last relapse, um, my, the, the suicide was my biggest fear coming true. And, and it really just tore this like hole in my heart that I've never like been able to not even feel, cause it's not that I expect to feel it, but it's like untouchable. It's just there. Yeah. And, um, and it's just, yeah, it's just always there. Yeah. Um, really neat that uh you felt loved by that group that you went to right the LDS 12 step yeah. meetings i i when i started my road recovery if you will i'd been forced to go to a bunch of meetings sign the paper right check in probation okay. officer yeah i've had a few of those um <laughs> but but uh when i decided to go on my own um like my i met some people there that just became my best friends. And, um, in fact, I had one of them in my house last night. We did a podcast, Mark Miners, his name, and, uh, he's one of my heroes in this life. And, and it's, it's not an easy, they're not easy to go to because they really make you um, like, look at yourself in a way where it's like, hold on a sec. And, and like you said, you're like, well, I was thought it was going for my dad, but you're sitting there and you're like, Oh my gosh, like I need to be more honest. I need to like, Holy cow. And, and these are, these are principles in life that are like the most beautiful things in the world. Um, 
and, and I guess I think the thing that's so awesome about what you said about those people that were there for you at that time is as you go and you, as you, as you participate in these programs and you, and you see that everybody around you is broken in one way or another, we've all had pain. And my pain may seem like nothing compared to your pain or vice versa, but that's my pain. And to me, it was super painful and dark. And to you, it's the same thing. And, and we go through different phases of it throughout our lives, but, but those broken people that have learned and processed and tried to understand that they can let those feelings go through them rather than holding on to them are the ones that can then turn around and give them like, like give love and compassion to somebody that's going through them as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just love that. I love that you, you kept going for the next year and and that's pretty special. I, I feel like, I feel like God and, and, or the great spirit, right. I feel like God puts people in our paths, gives us opportunities, even those dark moments where we can connect with people like the people from the ranch or the people in those meetings. Like you, you needed that extra boost if you will, mm-hmm. because it was really hard for you when you weren't there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so journey continues. You've lost your father. It does, is your mom, is she okay at this point? Like, like tell, talk to me about like the family dynamic and then, and then continue. Um, yeah, my mom, um, ended up moving in with me for a little while after that, as we got her into her, uh, a condo and, um, that was really a hard space because we were both grieving, but I almost felt like I couldn't grieve in front of her or something. Cause she needed more like support. And, um, so that was, that was tricky, but once she got into her own place, it felt like the energy was able to move through. And, um, so she, um, she lived with my grandma for a while and, and my grandma passed away and, um, so she's lived on her own ever since and, um, helps take care of the grandkids and, um, yeah, just shows up for us when we, when we're needing it, or we show up for her when she's needing it. And, um, all my siblings and I are still pretty close. And, um, after that experience, it just knowing that that's something we all shared as an experience, um, it's also something else that keeps us so close. That's cool. Um, so yeah, it, uh, that, that experience just kind of catapulted me into like a deep healing process. And, um, I just kind of sought out whatever I could, like I went to hypnotherapy for a while and, um, just, and, and through my, participation in the church even um was called to some really responsible callings um <laughs> uh, that I was kind of surprised like why am I being called to this right now do you know my dad just died um but of course like all of it was in perfect alignment and it really was through um through that calling at the time I was called to be Relief Society president and that interaction with the women in, in my ward at the time and just, just getting to go out and connect with people and let them know that they are perfect just the way they are was really a catalyst in my healing process. 
Um, now you hadn't been through the divorce yet yourself. No, not no. yet. Okay. Um, so it was a couple of years after that I had my son and um, just began to go through this stage of restlessness. Um, I didn't have to save my dad anymore. Um, I wasn't going to have any more kids. I wasn't responsible for like fully supplying food for my son. And um, it was just kind of like this, like suspension in air of like, what am I supposed to do now? And in that stillness, there, there came this restlessness and, and um, I'm sure from the outside, it looked like a midlife crisis. <laughs> um, and I, and I know at this point that it wasn't a graceful transition, um, but is it, it, ever? Was, it was mine. So um, yeah, is it ever? I, I don't think it is, but it really was this um, just awakening for me. It was this like going from numb to like feeling again. And um, in that process, I ended up transitioning out of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and, um, and out of my marriage, um, really just, it was a really tough place um, to choose and let everybody know that I wasn't going to stay married. And there wasn't any really big like, oh, this happened. And so of course you're going to get divorced. It was just like this, I don't think we're meant to write this story together anymore. And, and we both deserve the most fulfilling lives. And I, and that came more from me than him and, um, bless his heart. He's, he's a great man and a, an amazing father. And, um, we just, we just were meant to, to go different ways and write different stories from there. And it took a long time to find peace with that. I had a lot of shame because it wasn't what I was supposed to do. Um, but it just, I just felt like this deep call in my soul. I didn't know where or what. And, um, I just started following it. And that looked like me, like selling our house and getting divorced and, um, not practicing a religion anymore. And, um, just kind of becoming this spiritual hippie, <laughs> if you will. And just kind of like, it reminds me of somebody like on a road trip that's never been on one and is like tasting every food along the way. Like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. What is in this? You know, that's kind of what I felt like ever since. Um, and, and for a while it was really tumultuous. And like I said, really, really messy. Yeah. But um, in the last couple of years, it's really just kind of like come into this alignment and it, it feels really like serendipitous and really beautiful. And, um, and a lot of healing has taken place within that span. So I started therapy as, as I was starting that process of divorce and really have become really aware of those wounds that we talked about earlier and knowing how much of that I carried into my marriage and just unknowingly, like we do when we're young, um, by no fault of, of him or I, we just repeated all these cycles of, um, of our childhood wounds. And, um, now I can see them, but I didn't know that at the time. 
And um, yeah, just a lot of deep healing has taken place through, through therapy, through um, my own spiritual journey and connecting with my higher source in a different way than what I grew up with, but still really beautiful. And I've even come to a place um, where I'm aware that there was a lot of anger actually toward that God that I believed in then because of my dad's addiction and, and death and finally making like peace with, with that and even with Christ and, and really getting to integrate them all back into my life and, and the ceremonies that I like participated in and just really finding peace with all of those spaces now. I love it. That's really neat. I, it's not that you became bitter because of all this stuff. Mm -mm. It's that you've learned to see it with new eyes, right? Yeah. In, a, in a way where it's like, it makes, it, it's a part of you. Mm -hmm. And, and I, Christy, would you say right now, if you look yourself in the mirror right now, can you say, Hey, I love you. I love, I love you. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Whereas for, I'm assuming there for many years, you probably were like, you're not enough. What's wrong with you? Why, why are you this way? And, and a lot of that blame starts to go up to God, right? When you're in that kind of environment, it's like, well, Hey, everyone else is fine. Everyone else has everything they want. Cause that's all we see when we're the outsider looking, you know, we're looking outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Grass is always greener. But when we look ourselves in the mirror, it's like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. Right. But then, then you came to a place where you, now you can stop and it's like, you know, it's a beautiful thing. And there's been pain. There's been tragedy. There's been hurt, deep, deep hurt. But all of that has gotten you to arrive at a space that, that you, you genuinely love yourself. And you mm -hmm. talk about this idea of, I am, I love that when, with the questionnaire I sent to you, as I was reading it the first time, the, the thing that stands out the most to me is I am. And I love that thought. I've actually, for the last several months, I have, I've had that thought of just, I am, and be in that space. And, and that, that I am is perfect and beautiful. And all the things that I used to hate about myself when I was a kid that I thought everybody else hated about me that made me not, made people not want to be my friend or whatever it was, or I got teased for, those are like the best things about me, right? Like I just, I love those things about me now. Like I have a high pitched laugh when it gets rolling. That's what I love about my dad. And I'm like, yes, I've got to laugh like my dad. I've wanted, it's not as good as his, but it's getting there. <laughs> But like when I was a kid, like I, I hated that about me, right? Like I didn't, I didn't want that. And, and there's a lot of other things, but, but sometimes you, you, you pass through these rocky roads so that you can come to this place of, I am, can you, can you talk toward, towards that idea for just a minute and, and like what that means to you now that you're there? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I definitely spent many years, um, especially after my divorce, really like questioning, like trusting myself, not really understanding, am I capable of making these decisions? And um, it was just a refiner's fire that I walked through for quite a while. And um, sometimes it was super lonely. And um, sometimes I'd have really amazing souls show up and, and sit with me in the fire. But um, through that process, I really found um, this ability to just be 
and be just exactly who I am. So I went through this training a couple of summers ago and we worked through getting to the core of who we are and, um, and really going through that realization and embracing all of those things instead of saying like, oh, I just care too much. And, oh my gosh, I wear my heart on my sleeve. And um, instead saying, well, yeah, I'm passionate and I'm powerful and I love fiercely and, and like putting those on as almost like armor and saying, this is what I am. And, and really using those as, as tools, as I go forward now and, you know, creating different things and, and opportunities for people to serve and, um, taking myself to Mexico on a trip because I know that that's what I deserve and that's what I'm calling forth into my life. And it's just super powerful when we get to operate from that level of our soul. And it takes me back to that level of vibration and it brings in that law of attraction, trusting that whatever we are vibrating at, we will attract those types of vibrations, whether it's wildflowers in the mountains or an eagle flying overhead or an amazing partner and kids that I never thought I would be a part of in in this life. Um, It's all because of who I am. That's good. I love that. That's, that's the, that's the secret, right? Have you ever seen that show? The secret? I haven't seen it. Actually, my dad loved that show. It's, it's good. It's, it's like manifesting, right? Uh-huh. And, and I, you know, some, you call it different terms, if you will. I call it faith. It, it's the uh-huh. same. It's you, you manifest, you start to believe, right? With your, with your agency, it begins in your mind, your, your mm-hmm. mind, you can create, or you can, well, you, you're always creating, but it can either be something that is full of light and goodness and love and mercy for yourself, right? Or it can be something that is damaging. Like, why am I not this? Why am I not that? All these questions of, and a lot of it has to do with like worthiness. Why am I not worthy of that? Why am I not? Like I'm doing what's right in my life. Why am I not getting this? Right. I think that narrative, we can change that. And that's what you learn to do. And, and I think that the most beautiful part about it, Christy, for you, what I'm hearing is you learn to turn around and give yourself that mercy and grace to say, why, why am I, why am I beating myself up for like these qualities about myself that like, I was shameful. Like, these are great qualities. And, and you, you talked about becoming what I forget how you like a road trip and hippie or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) That was way off. Was it? What what did you say? Uh, Spiritual hippie. Yes. I I do. (laughs) I kind of like that idea of road trip and hippie. I think I'm going to talk to my wife and see if she wants to do that with me for a year. Uh, (laughs) Sounds great. (laughs) Yeah. Right. But, but like that idea of like, like you, taste, try, like experience new things, ask questions you've never asked before. Mm-hmm. Dive deeper in a friendship than you've ever gone before to just like, and be free about it. Like be open about it, right? Like it, there's no, there's like, give yourself, give yourself the space, the grace to like, be okay with that, to do something different. It reminds me of that movie and I'm going off on a tangent here and I'll, I'll finish that thought, but, but I, cause I want you to keep going, but like, you know, Jim Carrey, the yes man. 
I, every once in a while, I have to watch that show because I, I'm, I'm like, I need to say yes more. I need, I need to experience things more. And it's not that I'm going to experience all these crazy things like I'm whatever, but it's, it's like just that mentality sometimes we get into where mm-hmm. we, we know that that question of, Hey, if we haven't planned for a hike and we wake up on a Saturday morning, my wife's like, Hey, let's go for a hike. And I'm like, Oh no. Like I have these plans to mow the lawn and pull the weeds. And so that takes me out of my element. Somehow that's uncomfortable. That's all it is. It's comfortable. Mm-hmm. I, I say no, because I'm not, I'm not willing to just get out of my comfort zone, get out of my own way. Every time I say yes, without thinking about it, even if it's something that I initially don't really want to do, if I'm just like, yes, let's go because I love you. I always have an incredible experience and my soul always feels lighter and better. It's Mm -hmm. amazing how that works. And that in a way, that's kind of what you're saying you gave to yourself. Yes. (laughs) You you owed it to yourself to go and, and just kind of spread your wings a little bit, if you will. Yeah, for sure. It really has been, uh, since, since that awakening, um, there have been lots of spaces for me to do that, whether it's traveling like to another state on my own to run a race. And people are like, are you there by yourself? And I'm like, uh, yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> I don't have to like be responsible for anybody or, um, just, yeah, just choosing in and, and trusting myself and like choosing into really cool workshops or, um, just life experiences. It's, ooh, it's ooh. The- Tell me more about the workshops. What does that mean? I want to know more. Um, so this year has been like a manifesting year for me after COVID, you know, everything was just so quiet, uh, last year, but this year there was an opportunity to take a meditation teacher training that I completed. And that was absolutely beautiful. And, um, this really cool, shamanic course that runs over seven new moons. Um, so for seven months, I've been meeting with this beautiful group of people and just learning more about, um, indigenous, um, traditions and things like that. And it really has felt like this call from many of my ancestors and it's just kind of lit this fire under me for that. And then Um, I've done some Reiki training, so some energy work um, stuff. And then I'm currently in a uh, leadership course where I'll be creating my own type of retreat and um, just connecting with really beautiful people through that. So So what what does it mean that you're creating your own retreat? I want to know more about that too. Like what, is there like something that you're really drawn to that you're like, okay, we got to incorporate this and we're going (laughs) to do a little bit of this, right? Like what, what are you, what are you thinking? Yeah. So I have felt really called to create something with, um, teenage girls. So I, you know, I have a 13 year old and a 16 year old, and I really want, uh, an opportunity to have mothers and their daughters come and do whether it's an overnight retreat or something, but we have different things like, um, an art workshop and doing yoga and really moving their bodies and, um, really tapping into their inner light while they're still young, that they know that it's there. Yeah, uh, I think that so many times in that course of teenage years, we get told, 
not to believe in it or trust in it anymore. And so we start to dim it at that age. And then we get to our thirties and forties and we're like, let's light it back up. And, um, what that would be like, how powerful that would be if they just kept it on all the time. Yeah. Tell me, tell me more about that inner light. Like for you, what does that mean for you? Like when you discovered that inner light that you let kind of go out a little bit, if you will, like what, what did it take for you to go there? And what did it take for you to rekindle that? If you can. Yeah. Um, it, I think that there was a long time in my life where I put that trust or that, um, I don't know, just, I always put something outside of myself. So I was always trusting and asking something outside of myself, um, which I think is pretty common in, in any organized religion, because you're like, before I make this decision, I have to ask this higher power if it's okay, or if this is the right decision. And I think that that's still great. It's not that I um, discount that at all, but at the same time, because we can ask that of a higher source, it's already inside of us. And so being able to trust our intuition and um, it took a lot for me to get to a place where I could trust that. Um, And so that process looked more like um, dating again (laughs) and and creating boundaries that I had never created before. Um, I, I would say dating was one of the biggest things for me to turn that light back on because I had to really get honest with myself about, is this really okay for me yeah. and honors and it is in alignment with myself or is this just something that I'm doing because they, you know, they're interested in it. And so it really became about me setting really firm boundaries. And, and when I started to do that, um, it was reflected back in the people that were called into my life. I love it. Um, so yeah, just that process and and just all the the pieces of going through the divorce and everything was that finding that inner light and really just letting it radiate like a care bear. <laughs> <laughs> which, which one though? Yeah, um, mine's what? probably the one with the big heart on the li- li- lion heart. He was my favorite <laughs> care bear. Care yeah. countdown, right? They had, like the care bear stare. Uh-huh. I heard, I heard they're bringing He-Man back for those of you that care. Uh, really? Yeah. Pretty excited about that. Um, that dude was, that dude, she was like, she was like my crush growing up. I'm not kidding. I was like, yeah, I felt, I felt like naughty in a way watching that show. So anyway, <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, um, that was a, wow. Maybe I'll edit that out, but probably not. <clears throat> um, I want to go back to something you said. I, so I'm reading this book by a couple of old Navy SEALs. I love it. It's called ultimate accountability. Mm-hmm. And you said something there in, in what you said that I totally, I couldn't agree with you more. So when I, when I was an alcoholic, um, we have a tendency in the world that we live in to kind of, to kind of blame things, right? Like we try and deflect these feelings that come into our lives that don't feel good. They cause pain or whatever. And then we, we just, we don't want anything to do with them, right? Like guilt, Mm -hmm 
shame, shame's the worst. And, and that inner voice just kind of beats you down. And so we try, and I think human nature kind of has a way of us trying to deflect everything we can as if that's going to allow us to feel better. So, mm-hmm. so we don't process those feelings, right? Like, so anger, hate, um, those, those feelings don't want to come into us and sit. And I, and I had a really cool, uh, Becky Davidson, um, you may, you, I think you would like her message. She started a, a company called Lotomus and she's really big into meditation with using, um, like story, a fantasy story through the meditation so that your mind actually like connects with like overcoming obstacles and all these things, which is just, to me, it's so cool, right? That's a really good idea. But she talked about how all these feelings that we have are feelings that want to flow through us, but sometimes we don't allow them to like really fully enter into us. So they kind of come in and hide out, if you will, because mm-hmm. we don't, we don't allow them to process. So we hold on to them and we just, we're not even aware of it. But this book that I'm reading, Ultimate Accountability, what I learned when I was an alcoholic is I'm not, I'm not taking accountability for anything that I'm doing. So what I'm, what I'm suggesting by doing that is that everything in this life that is happening, I'm a, I'm a byproduct of that thing. I'm, I'm making no choices because my, my choice, if I could make one, it would to be, would be to be happy. Right. Mm-hmm. I wasn't making the, I wasn't taking the right steps to have happiness though, because I wasn't taking accountability. I didn't want to take accountability because it was painful. Mm-hmm. But when I started healing, I learned that it, that's like the most empowering thing that you can do is understand that like you can manifest, you can, the, the secret faith when you, when you hold yourself accountable and you start to believe that you are capable of so much more than, than you are currently doing. And, and you just need to start taking those small steps. All of a sudden it's like all these doors start to open for you and all these mm-hmm. people come running into not, not running, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like they show up in your life mm-hmm. and you, you look back and, and it's funny how we don't see the, the mountains moving in front of us. Right. Yeah. Hindsight's always 2020, 20, but you literally, you look back and you go, Holy crap. Like that's, that's incredible that when we start to choose, make, when we choose our lives, mm-hmm. mountains move for us. But when we allow life to like, act like, like when we react to life, it doesn't, it, it doesn't move. It doesn't open doors. We're not manifesting that way. Right. And, and, and mm-hmm. to, I don't know. I, I just, I love what you said there. And, and I agree. And I, I think, you know, whether you believe in God, whether you believe in a, in a, in the universe or light, like it's, it, that is truth. That is absolute truth. Act, take accountability for who you are and, and, and who you're becoming and act just like you're doing. And, and now you're trying to get to a space where you can help young women. And that to me, Christy is so incredible because you've gone through all this pain. And now what are you doing now that you're here in this space? You're turning around and you're trying to make sure that other people have the tools and the right equipment to actually process those things as they go through them, rather than like coming to a place years down the road and having to like go through all this stuff at one time. Yeah. I love that. Is it, tell me about life now. Like what, what, what feelings do you have as you go throughout each day? Like what, what is your thought process? What, what, 
do you try and accomplish with your, with your gift of that day? If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, I'm pretty intentional with my day. Um, I have a, a planner that is called a core desire feelings planner. So huh. I have these, these core desires. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. And I just started using it this year. And so every day I get to write down those feelings I chose at the beginning of the year and really just like feel into them of how do I keep those feelings happening inside of me. And, um, so it's, that's been really magical this year and, um, and meditation is huge for me. Uh, so going through some sort of spiritual practice is something I always encourage anybody that reaches out to me. That's like, I don't know what's happening in my life. What's, you know, I just feel so lost. And I always ask them, do you take time for yourself? Um, because that's the biggest thing is we have to like put the oxygen mask on ourselves before we can help anybody in our lives. And so just even 10 minutes of stillness, um, is huge, um, to show up for ourselves in that way. So for me, that's what that looks like. And then some sort of physical activity. So I usually do like a workout, um, during the day and all those things just help create like this empowerment within myself. Um, there's still a lot of healing taking place currently. Like I just started EMDR therapy. Um, and that's some really deep trauma therapy that uh, my siblings have all been going through and they highly recommended it. So I'm just beginning that process and just still doing the work because it's, there's some really deep wounds that took place, um, from a very young age for me of just my self worth and beliefs about myself. Yeah. Man, I'm so glad that you're coming to a good place, right? Yeah. Yeah. Really good place. Lots of, um, really cool opportunities too. Like you're talking about with the accountability and just really getting to a place where we realize we are our own creators. Like we get to create our reality and, um, just opportunities like, the ranch, the Renaissance ranch actually actually showed up recently again in my life for my dad's birthday in April. My siblings and I did a service project. And That's what you were doing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We collected, um, I reached out to the ranch and just asked, is there something we can do to honor our dad on his birthday um, and help others? And instead of having it be um, this sad time that we remember him, we wanted to just honor him. And so we had so many people donate so much, like over $700 to um, create these like hygiene kits for the guys that show up there. Cause a lot of them will show up right from jail and they yeah. don't have anything. And so we got to go deliver the stuff and it was absolutely amazing to interact with the men that were there and to tell them our dad's story. And there was actually this statue that my dad made. Um, he was a welder and he made the statue of this man on his, on one knee and he had his leg chained to this log and they had it in the foyer there. And my dad's signature was on it. And it was just like, so beautiful to see that he is still present and he yeah. felt very present there. Like he's, he's there helping others do their work. And 
um, he, he's all around. I, I feel him all the time still. And, uh, so it's just been beautiful to be able to, to take that and, and alchemize it into gold. And we all have that opportunity every single day, no matter what our story is, we have the ability to create magic. Yeah. Ooh, so. I like that. That is beautiful. Man, yeah. Christy, this is awesome. I, so I gotta, I just gotta say something going back to the LDS context real quick, if you will. You said a couple things that I just, I just want you to know something. All the studies that I've done, that God tells me whether you measure up or not, you're worth it. You're valuable. And I love you. I think there's a lot of things that we, obviously he wants us to learn to use our accountability to, to make that choice. Exactly what you're saying to, to make life magical. Mm-hmm. You've got to learn that it's up to you, right? Exactly what you're saying, Christy. I mean, and that's, that is the beauty of life is when you recognize that like, Hey God, I, I said this to my daughter, Savannah, the other day, I said, look, do you know that my world is different than your world? And, and I said, do you, do you get what I'm saying? When I say that my world is totally different than your world. Do you know what that means? And she goes, yeah, she's nine years old. Yeah. And I'm like, well, oh, I figured this out at 40 and here you are. does." <laughs> but I'm like, no. So, so do you, does that make sense to you? And she goes, yeah, dad, like I, I, you don't have the same thoughts as me. I don't have the same thoughts as you. You're, you, you experience something different than me. Like, and she used a different word than experience, but basically she, she knew what I meant. And I said, isn't that amazing that, that God gives us all our own world and we Mm -hmm. like a blank canvas, we get to create either a really beautiful place. And yeah, of course there's going to be some ugly spots, if you will. We're all rookies. Not everybody hits a hundred percent of the shots. They, whatever, but, but like, that's a beautiful thing when all of a sudden you realize, Hey, you know, like I really have been given this world, not like I own it, but like I've been given my own world, my own space. And it's up to me. Like I've been given the ability to create with this thing and to make it this beautiful place. Or like when I was an alcoholic, I can, I can place blame on everything and be angry at everything and blame everything. And I, and I, at that point I turned inward and the words that came out of my mouth most often were, woe is me. Why, mm-hmm. why, why, why? And I forgot that why I'm saying why there's a guy across the street who just got diagnosed with cancer, or I forgot that there, why I'm saying my why is there was a, a young girl driving home from school who got hit at, at 17 years old and died in a car crash. And here I am playing this pity party of whoa, you know, why like life is acting on me and that's, that's it. That's it. Choose, right. Create, find the magic just like you did. And that, that means we have to approach some tough feelings. Do me a favor real quick. Tell me, I'm going to ask you a few more questions because I've had you on long enough and you're awesome. Um, Tell me about, is it EMD? Is that what you're starting? EMD therapy? EMDR. What does that mean? It's um, eye movement desensitization. I don't remember what the R stands for. I should have found that out. But it's a it's a trauma therapy, and they um, 
that will like pull up a memory and it's essentially going in and reprogramming the brain with the left and right side um, to take the emotion and, and move it through because the emotion is stuck. Yeah. Uh, and, and usually when I talk about my dad and the, the moment that I found out he had passed there, this whole wave of trauma will, will come over me all over again. And um, so there are still a lot of places like that, that are stuck with really deep emotion. And, um, and that will even be projected into other scenarios. Like I found in my romantic relationship that there will be times um, that will feel similar to like something that showed up as a child and those emotions will show up in that situation. Mm. And so just being able to heal that old stuff so that it's not affecting um, my current like reality. Yeah. Nice. That idea of of like, it's stuck, right? Mm -hmm. Emotion stuck. I I remember when my dad died of brain cancer, um, this pain was with me and I didn't like it, like I didn't want to feel it, but I didn't want to let it go because this mm-hmm. pain carried, carried memories of my dad. And so to let it go is almost in a way saying to my dad, like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really want that memory anymore, but that's mm-hmm. not true. I could let it go. And I could, I could think of that memory. I could see it in a different light and be grateful for what it was and, and not feel the pain of it anymore. And, and because I allowed that to go, I was able to start celebrating his life, like death day, birthday. That's, that's, those are days to me now where I don't wake up and I miss my dad every day, but mm-hmm. I celebrate the life that he lived. He, he lived a great life. Right. So, I mean, yeah, it, that's, that's a really cool thing. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So I've got a couple questions for you as we wrap it up. Does that sound good? Yeah. Um, so I think First, let's get into this idea of um, movement or energy. You talked about it like at the very beginning. Tell me, mm-hmm. tell me, like, tell me a little bit about more about that before we I ask you like a couple final questions. Does that sound good? Sure. Yeah. So, what does so that mean the, to you? The the movement of energy is that what you're? Yeah. So, so like, um, oh gosh, what, what's the word you said at the very beginning? But you, like, everything is in movement, right? There's motion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the vibrations of all things around us um, are, yeah, we're, we're attracting what's at our current frequency um, and really getting to a place of allowing and surrendering to that reality um, was really huge as I went through like friendship breakups um, right after my divorce and just seeing people like, exit my life that I was like, well, that really sucks. (laughs) But, but then getting to a place where I understood either my vibration didn't match with theirs or theirs didn't with mine and trusting that, um, that process. And then just really allowing the beauty around me to reflect back to me, knowing that it's beautiful because I am beautiful. And that knowledge um, has been really powerful over the last couple of years, um, especially in my romantic relationship and my partnership with Tony um, has been just this life-changing experience that way 
just knowing that we, as long as we're vibrating at the same frequency, we'll, we'll be in each other's lives and, and knowing that we are both working toward keeping it there. Like we, we just are both working on ourselves individually all the time and our relationship and both very aware. And that's not anything that I've ever experienced in my, in my life before. I love that you recognize it. So like, how do you, how do you change frequencies, right? Like what have you learned in your experience with that? Um, just within the, like the friendships that ended, um, or people that just couldn't stay in my life anymore. Um, it, it felt like I, the frequency had changed for me where, um, I don't know to speak for them or anything, but for myself, just choosing into places like at the time that those friendships like fizzled, I was choosing into like, I'm going to go run at this race in Portland and I don't care if anybody goes with me or not, but this is what's calling to me and just places that would push me to an edge and, and have me grow more. Um, and in that space, it no longer required those, those energies in my life. Um, and so it was, it was, I, I believe in soul contracts. And so I believe that those people um, or anybody in our life, we made a contract before we got here to show up and serve a purpose and teach us certain lesson. And so it just like the vibration no longer matched anymore because the soul contract had been fulfilled and um, we didn't necessarily need as much as that is painful. Like even in regards to my dad, our soul contract was, had been met. And um, although I still feel like for him, his soul still, his energy is still present and, you know, he still leaves me money everywhere or <laughs> um, just shows up with a random Fleetwood Mac song or something. I and I'm it. like, okay, there, there yep. he is. So uh, yeah, it's just an interesting um, way to, to view the world that's different than what I grew up. I, I think I always, I think it's always been a part of my core though. I've always yeah. been one that just believed in magic and saw yeah. it. And, um, and it's just kind of going back to like unearthing it and letting it just be who I am. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, what's amazing about it is these, these are true principles, no matter no matter what religion, no matter what, no matter where you come from, these are truths, right? I mean, uh-huh. light attracts light. Like it's the same idea of energy, right? The more that you love people, the higher frequency, the high, the higher movement. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so back to uh, Dr. Dwyer, you should read his book. You'd love it. Um, but he talks about the closer you come to true unconditional love of yourself and others the faster the frequency you move and and the faster the frequency you move, the more light is in you and the less barrier physically you have for your spirit to actually like connect with what's around you in your environment. Right. And it's like, that totally makes sense. And that in, in, in the religion I grew up in, it's like, yeah, that's spirit to spirit. And like, when you're in a good place, you're going to feel that. But when you're when you're selfish and you and and you break away from everybody and you want to go hide and you feel shame and you feel guilt, you can't feel any of that because mm-hmm. because you're you're so enclosed and it's it's a dark it's a damning place to be right it's a soul place it's it's sad 
Well, okay. So all this stuff, I, and I love how you talk about Tony and, and you two and your relationship. That's a beautiful thing. And I'm so happy that you guys, you guys are there and you guys are incredible people. And I, I, one of these days I want to, I want to come do yoga with you or something. I did it with my buddy that uh, <laughs> just moved to Springville and, uh-huh. and like one session with him, probably, I think it lasted probably 45 minutes. The next day I'm like, Oh my gosh, like this yoga thing is, it, it's no lie. It's crazy. <laughs> And I also want to be a, 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 a road trip and hippie. So yeah, that sounds like a blast. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell me, tell me all these things that you've been through. Um, Christy, you've been through a lot and you've carried a lot of weight your whole life. I mean, like there's a lot of things that have just pressed down on you and, and caused a lot of pressure and a lot of um, pain, if you will. What, what have you learned? Like what, what's that gift that you received because you went through all of that so that you can be happy today? Oh, I love that question. Um, it really has, um, gifted me the ability to really connect with other souls on that soul connecting level. So seeing past the, the ego or whatever might show up initially, but getting to, to have that connection because, um, because I share, I share my story pretty openly in some like parts of it, because I want people to know that, that they can like confide in me or, or ask me questions or say, how do I do this part of my journey? And and I can say, you know, this is what mine looked like. Maybe this will help. Um, so just that soul connection with other people has really been the biggest gift um, that I've received from that. The word that the word that comes to mind as you describe yourself right there is you're safe. Right? Mm-hmm. You are safe. You are safe for other people. Mm-hmm. You are safe for yourself. Like you're safe. I I don't know that there's many other words in the English vocabulary that like, if someone described you, if someone described me as like, you know, that, that guy, he's a safe guy. I felt safe with him. And whatever that means, it's like, it's a a really cool thing, right? Like, like to be, to know that people can come and confide in you, you're vulnerable, right? You're Mm -hmm. not afraid. There's no ego that gets in the way of you sharing your story. You're willing to use your story to, to, to allow space for somebody else. They can come into that space and they can be vulnerable and they're safe with you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Am I, am I kind of on the right track there? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty on, on the spot um, with that. Just, yeah, that's what I've found is I've had so many people reach out um, like going through a faith transition or going through um, questioning their marriage or like, should I do this with my life? And just getting to say, I, I did that and it didn't go well. (laughs) So let me tell you what, what I gained through that process after so that maybe, you know, you can, it will look different for you or like just that, those opportunities that really like allow my light to shine brighter. And it just opens up my heart so much to be able to connect with other souls in that way. 
I love it. I, uh, I feel very safe with you. Very mm. safe. Right. Mm. And, and I, I, I just think, you know, you're the kind of person that like, I, I could meet, have no idea that you're connected with Tony and have a huge conversation about vulnerable things and, and deep things past the surface level stuff, soul to soul stuff. And I, and I, and I would feel very confident that I would walk away from that conversation, feeling value in myself and worth in myself because you would, you would pull out the best pieces of me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's amazing. And I, I hope, I hope you feel that yourself. I hope that you know um, how incredible you are. And, and I don't, I don't know you. I, we don't have a history together. Like I, I don't mm-hmm. know you that well. I know you through your posts and I know, but what I see in you, um, you've uplifted me from a distance, right? Like I, I see goodness coming from you. I see somebody who is, is discovering life, discovering yourself, discovering the beauty of, of what's out there for us. And, and you want, you, you kind of want to take other people on your journey with you, right? Like you, you want to share all those beauties that you've, you found. And I, I hope every morning you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, you know what, you're freaking awesome. You are, <laughs> you are worth it. And, and I'm, I'm so glad you feel your dad near because there's some very painful things that people go through and addiction can rob people of life. And, and, um, he's not far. And I know he'd be very proud of you. And I don't mean to speak for him. That's not my place. But I, I know as a father myself, like, and a father, you know, somebody who's battled addiction in my life, it didn't mean that I loved anyone less. Um, in fact, that was probably the hardest thing about that addiction is because I loved people. I was so ashamed of myself, right? And it was a, it, it's kind of becomes a mental health thing and, and it's very hard to process, but, but know that that's not your fault. And he loves you. and. And that was his battle. And, and you're right. We all have our time and, and his is now to go drop money around for you. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, Christy, you're awesome. Um, Thanks so much for sharing like just peaceful things with me. And I, I, if people want to follow you, remind me your Instagram handle. I'll make sure I post it when I put your episode out. It's like, it's Mexi princess, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Mexi Princess eighty nine. <laughs> it's it's a really old like name. <laughs> I've had it since I was like eighteen, but um, I just can't part with it. So I've tried Why would to change. You? I've tried to change it, and it just doesn't feel genuine and authentic. So I go back because people call me Mexi Princess, and so yeah, Mexi uh, Princess eighty nine. <laughs> where did, so tell me where Mexi Princess came from. Um. When I was in high school, a lot of my friends would call me that because I was out of my group of friends. I was the Hispanic <laughs> girl. And so they, they, yeah, it was just something like a, a term of endearment. I was going <laughs> to so say that, that was the yeah. word that was in my brain. It's endearment. Your friends meant yeah. that it's an endearing thing. Mm-hmm. Well, you're awesome. And I love you and Tony. And I just, you know, you guys, you guys keep doing what you're doing. You, you guys are putting a lot of goodness into this world and we need it right now. So keep doing what you're doing. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for doing what you're doing. It's amazing. 
Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I get, I get the opportunity to learn from cool people like you. And now I'm going to go write down in my journal tonight that I'm going to be a road trip and hippie. And that you didn't even say that, but like, that's, <laughs> that's what came to mind. I'm envisioning this thing right now so I can make it, I can manifest it in my life. Heck yeah. Thank you for tuning in to come towards delight the podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed today's show. I would love to hear your feedback. You can subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or any podcast platform you use. If you or someone you know has a delightful story to share that I need to talk to, please email me at come towards delight at gmail.com.